All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Prescribing Truth. I'm Jamal Bandy. This is your first time watching this YouTube stream. Please hit that subscribe button if you find this content helpful. Hit that notification bell on the side so you can be notified when I have new and upcoming content. If you're listening to this on various podcast apps, we're available on iTunes, Stitch Radio, Google Play, and as such. Please leave a review and a rating. This really helps me out as far as your criticism and everything. I want to know what you think about the show. Please do so. I greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by partnering with me and joining us on Patreon. Joining this fine community we're building on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash prescribe truth. I have different award tiers starting from a dollar and up. You know, just basically, you know, just whatever donation you can afford. You know, if you've got a dollar to spare, I greatly appreciate it. If not, I appreciate your prayers. And we have different things we give back versus a shout out on the show, taking part in the pre-show and the post-show. And, you know, you got a mug you can get and the care package and all that kind of stuff. You can check out. All that on the link in the description as well as you see it on the screen there. Um, if you'd like to email me, you can at prescribe.truth at gmail.com or you can call me at 801-980-6333. I appreciate your calls. I love the calls I've been getting lately. Um, even those who disagree, we're just having great conversations. So please utilize that. I greatly appreciate it and want to talk to you. All right. <clears throat> so as you see in the um, title, we're going to be dealing with George Whitfield. He's the first up. In this, um, well, other than between him and Jonathan Edwards, we're going to deal with George Whitfield first, I guess. We did Luther um, last couple of weeks. Then we did Martin Luther King before that and so on and so forth. And so here we are. We're at George Whitfield. This is going to be it. It's going to be touchy. I already know this is going to be a lengthy one. So I may have to split this one up. I'm not sure yet, but um, I want to get into this. All right. So a while back, probably a month ago now, uh, when I first started this series, I asked a couple of questions in the end of the stream. I posed these questions to get somebody to think, just to get us to think for a moment concerning these issues. Now, this whole thing came about because there was a subscriber to my YouTube channel. And yes, I do look at the comments, read them, and I do comment back. Um, we had a guy who subscribed. Well, he, you know, he commented and um, he was asking, why did people poo-poo on Martin Luther King as far as being at the MLK conference, as, you know, as far as him being represented and, you know, they were talking about him as being a Christian and so on and so forth. So why did, why was there evangelicals who rejected Martin Luther King Jr. And yet they support people like George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, because they own slaves and Martin Luther because he was said to be anti-Semitic. Well, we dealt with the Martin Luther claim the last couple of weeks. If you want to know what I said concerning that, please go check those out. Um, but now we're dealing with George Whitfield as far as him owning slaves and all that kind of good stuff. Now, I asked a question before and I want us to think about this and I want to get into some scripture today as well. I, I got uh, one resource pulled up of something that uh, George Whitfield wrote. So we're going to look at that and I want to get some scripture and I want to pose the question once again. In and of itself, is it a sin to own slaves? Just want to pose the question. I want to throw it out there. We're going to be dealing with that. Is it a sin to own slaves? Now, we know it's a sin to kidnap people, right? We know that's a sin. We know it's a sin to beat people. We know it's a sin to murder people, to rape and all that stuff. We know that's wrong. We know that's sin. But is it a sin just to own slaves? That is the question. Now, we can answer this from an emotional standpoint and be like, oh, you know that they treated this and they did this and they did that. We know. I know, I know, but please hear me, hear me. The question is, because we're talking about, we're talking about people's salvation. We're talking about 
Martin Luther King, what made him a heretic and what made him be deemed not a Christian and why would we still consider George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards to still yet be Christians, even though they own slaves? You know, what is it? What is it about them? You know, this and we consider this to be a wicked thing. This is a wicked thing that they own slaves. This is wicked. This is wretched. They took part in what was one of America's darkest moments in history. They took they had a part in it. And whether it been a small part or whatever, they had a part in it. So what makes them still yet a Christian, even though some would say they had bad practice? That's what the whole issue is. They would say John and Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, they didn't really love their neighbor. They didn't love their neighbor because if they did, they wouldn't have owned slaves. All right. And knowing the kind of economy it was, because there were Christians back then, to be real, let's be honest. There were Christians back then who refused to own slaves. Like you didn't have to own slaves. Like this wasn't the thing where you just had to have them. Like, you know, it was a choice. You had a choice. And George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards chose. They chose to have slaves where there was other Christians who didn't. You know, they refused to. There were Christians, there were Christians who thought it was utterly sinful to have them and you know, refused to have them, you know. And there was people like George Whitfield who felt like, hey, you know, I don't find any biblical principle that says I can't have them, you know, but, you know, that was that. So we have to look at that. So now, am I, <laughs> is somebody going to take what I'm saying here to say that it was okay for them to have slaves? No. I mean, I hope you don't hear that from me today. I hope you don't walk, leave this podcast for me trying to justify the owning of slaves. You know, but but I want to come and be truthful about the scriptures and what the scripture teaches. Does the Bible declare that it is that it is a sin to own slaves to own? You know, we have to be clear. Now, we know people make arguments, especially I'm familiar with this. I've dealt with people in the conscious community for for a while. And uh, every time the very first thing they bring up is God condones slavery. God condones slavery. And that's the, that makes the Bible so wicked because God condones slavery. And then the first thing we have to do, we have to explain to people how there are different types of slavery. You know, the, the slavery, and we have to go and make a defense and let people know that the slavery that happened in the United States and how they were treated and all that, that is something that God did not permit. Not, you know, he, that something he allowed to happen, but it's something that he did not say that this is what people should do. You know, we have to go in, in defense mode with all of that. You know, and which is true. You know, God, there are, there are plenty of scriptures that show how God said people should treat their slaves, how they should treat them. And if they was to hurt them, what should happen and so on and so forth. Um, but people are sinful. People are wicked, you know, and that's just, you know, that's that's us and our sinful nature. You know, so this is this is one of them subjects that's going to be tough. I'm tough. It's going to be tough. I'm going to probably going to lose a few subscribers. I'm, you know, I may gain a couple. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day. Truth matters, regardless of how we feel, how emotional, dri emotionally driven we are. The truth matters. It matters, y'all. So, getting into this, is it a, is it a sin? Now, I'm gonna be the first right now, right now, to let you know. This may be a shock to the song, but in the scriptures, in the scriptures, in and of itself. Now, hear me. I'm I'm very clear in what I'm saying here. In and of itself. The Bible doesn't say that owning slaves is a sin. It isn't. The mere owning of slaves isn't a sin. Isn't. Even the Bible, I mean, God gives, gives them uh, parameters of how they should deal with slaves. Like God does never, not one time does God say, if you own slaves, 
you you're going to hell or you're going to have you know you have no part with me and all that kind of stuff like that no he tells them what they should do while they have them he allowed it to happen god permitted it to happen it was part of his permissive will he permitted people to own slaves he did you know and that's a reality we have to be willing to own that he did allow that he did permit that to happen he gave parameters of how they should go about it so you know this is not something you should just do willy-nilly there's a way to do this and the way of beating them um, unmercifully and and killing them and so on and so forth and raping and all that stuff kidnapping and all that was wrong wicked evil god himself said it you know but you know that's 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 the case but now just the mere owning of them isn't a sin so now what is george whitfield and jonathan edwards guilty of then if it's not a sin to merely own the slaves what are they guilty of well then we can say something about we're gonna which we're gonna look at this is why I'm, uh, this is gonna be a lengthy one because i'm spending time right now trying to build to this argument and build to this because the issue with john with jonathan edwards and george whitfield isn't that they had wrong theology no one would disagree with that they believed in the gospel. They preached the gospel. Um, they, their heart was for the gospel. Matter of fact, George Whitfield, one of his arguments for like why he, slavery is good is because he can preach the gospel to them. Now, I'm like, well, you can, they, there's plenty of ways to preach the gospel to African-Americans or Africans other than just having them slaves. You know, so like, no, nah, man, you, that ain't the way you should do it. I mean, I, I feel like he probably stretched his, he stretched his mind to try to find a justification there for pushing for slavery in the area really didn't need slaves you know i'm just gonna throw that out there that's you know so that's my nuance feeling towards this but you know like his 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 idea towards slaves wasn't that they were less than human he believed they were human like you know not like most people trying to say they were animals and it was you know they, they're like just by property they're things you know like he actually believed they were humans he saw them for what god had actually created them to be but he wanted to use them for their labor you know and so it's like like, like man it's like okay I, I'm, I'm gonna say that for the next video <laughs> i'm gonna say that for the next one because there's a lot of there's a lot in how i feel about all of that all right but i just i want to i don't want to bring my emotions into this so let's look at this i, I want to put up some scripture we're gonna look at some scripture and i want to look at something that whitfield had wrote um this is what he had wrote was back in 1740 we're gonna take a look at that and then um and then if we got time then i go into some later stuff of his but right now we're gonna go into that. But we're gonna look at scripture right now, and I'm gonna pull up the Eastward app. All right, so give me a moment here. So the first the first scripture I want to look at right now is Exodus 21, two, just real quick. Exodus 21. All right. Now we know there are different types of slavery that the scripture talks about. And there's different types of slavery that exist in the world, okay? So, now, I've heard people make the argument about, you know, the fact that, yeah, he may not have been abusive to his slaves and so on and so forth, but the fact that he purchased them, you know, he purchased slaves, you know, and I have my, oh, I got saying, okay, somebody's saying I got an echo real bad. Hold on. Hold on, I don't, I don't want the echo real bad. Wait a minute. Botching the live stream. Okay. Yeah, I hear the echo. Uh, let me let me try to fix this real quick. I'm sorry about that, guys.
Maybe that fixes it. Hope that fixes it. All right, testing one, two, three. All right, is that echoing gone? Let me know. Somebody comment, let me know the echo is gone. Same read the comments while I'm waiting. All right, what up, Proverbial Life? Hey, what's up? <laughs> you jump right in there, huh? <laughs> to own a slave, you know is kidnapped and force them to work against their will. Yes. Oh, that's from Jason. Yeah, we, I'm going to discuss that too. He said, truth matters. Amen. It was wrong. Because most error. But looking back at it, love God's glory for that. All right, trying to get from God's sovereignty. Okay. It says better. Okay. All right. So I got Mitch saying it was better. All right. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm gonna get into all that. Appreciate y'all comments. We get into. I'm gonna get into that kind of stuff. Cause I have my own feelings towards that. Just being from a Christian, being a, just being a Christian, I have my own feelings towards that. Especially the um, comment that Jason left. All right. So when you buy a Hebrew slave. He shall serve six years, and in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. So there were parameters, you know what I'm saying? But the point I want to look into here was the fact that when you buy a Hebrew slave, and we know this buying was dealing with um, you buying something, and then the person serves, or you're buying someone, and this, and this service is to pay that debt, is to pay that debt off. And in six years, that debt should be cleared, and on the seventh, you should let them go free. Now, this is the parameter that God had given. Um, now, is it something that America fulfilled? No. You know, this was something that God gave to, to the Hebrews or to the Jews. But um, the, during this time, there were other types of slavery going on as well. Wicked slavery, you know, that was already going on. But this is the parameter that God gave. Slavery was something that was already going on prior to him giving the law. So something that was already going on, you know, he just gave parameters to his people being the set-apart set nation as Israel was or is. And so, um, so that's that. I want to look at that. Let's see. It was another scripture I want to look at. Um, Deuteronomy 15, real quick. There's another, there was another text in, in Exodus 21 where it talks about, you know, a man who sells his daughter into slavery. Now, this selling also, once again, he's selling for money and the daughter works to pay the debt. So that's, you know, that's what was done. Uh, what I said, Deuteronomy 15. All right, 13 to 14. All right. Now, this year in this context is dealing with um, Hebrews being sold to one another for for debt, for purpose of debt. So, this, I want to give proper context to this. So, this is not the same. This is not the same as American slavery. But we'll see just a parameter that God gave for um, this, this slavery, <laughs> this types of slavery. So if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years. And in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor and out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. 
You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. Now, think about something real quick. Purchase of slaves. You think about when this language of being redeemed. Like, <laughs> and, and the scripture talks about us being bought with a price. I think all this stuff is, is shadows. It's shadows. You know, um, we were, we are redeemed. Well, he, in this context, talking about Israel. They were slaves in Egypt. God came and redeemed them. But he didn't redeem them. They became slaves of his, which is also why when they sinned against him, they were punished. You know, and so, which we all, you know, everybody sinned against God. But you get what I'm saying? Like, he redeemed them. They were now his. He bought them. He took them. You know, so they were his people. And the Bible says, as far as us being Christians, because of Jesus' death on the cross, we are bought with a price. And where the Bible says we were slaves unto sin, if we're in Christ, we're slaves unto righteousness. You know, this now this, you know, I'm, I don't want to get in a whole tangent of going to why then I believe mostly in the fact we won't lose our salvation and all that kind of good stuff like that. That's beautiful stuff. But it just that goes all into it as well. You know, like man, like we we are bought with a price. We are slaves of Christ. You know, and then we look at um Peter. I'm gonna try to pull that up real quick. Uh, Peter, let me pull it real quick before I switch over. May, I may not switch over. I'm just going to just pull it up. Because Peter gives parameters too. Now, this is, that was Old Testament. Now, let's, let's, let's look at New Testament real quick. Peter said something very interesting. And I want to say, first uh, Peter, I want to say it's first Peter 3. No, maybe uh, 1 Peter 2. Let me see. Being subject to the Lord's authority. Uh, suffering for... Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, 1 Peter 2. I'm going to pull this up so you guys can see it too. Alright, so 1 Peter 2. <clears throat> be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover for evil, but living as servants of God. Now, we're going to go down some. Verse uh, verse 17, I guess might as well just continue reading. Verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Verse 18, servants, that word there is slaves. It says servants, but that word is slaves. Be sub this is the same word used for slaves, put it like that. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. So even then, during this time, we, are, we, we know that there were people who had slaves back then who treated them unjustly. And there were some who did good. There was, there was both. But then he says, for this is a gracious thing. So he gives a reason. He tells, he tells the slaves, be subject to your masters with all respect. And not just the good ones, but the bad ones too. And he gives a reason for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? 
But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow him in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you are strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So this is something given to slaves, with those who are servants, even those who are unjust and those who are good. What are we to do? And, and what is the motivation behind it? It's Christ. But here, we don't see, and I don't know if, I don't know if it's in Peter's letter or it was Paul's letter I'm really looking for, where it calls for them, where, like, where it gives the command to um, slave masters. I think it's Paul's letter. And I want to say it's, I want to say it's Ephesians. And I'm going to check and see. I want to say it's Ephesians. Maybe somebody can give me that in the chat. Ah, here we go. Yeah, Ephesians 6. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Ephesians 6 9. Ephesians, I mean not Ephesians, <laughs> masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. So Paul doesn't call for the release of slaves. He doesn't call for them to say, hey, masters, let them go. They shouldn't be yours. You know, their debt is clear because you're because now Christ has died on the cross. He's paid all our debts. You know, no, he doesn't call for that. And he says, hey, masters, you should treat them. And he's talking about how you should treat them. You know, be mindful that you have a master in heaven. And we know people have used scripture to abuse authority all over the place. Like this is that's always happened. You know, I was a part of a cult you know, that, that pastor abused the scriptures to manipulate us and all those things. But that doesn't mean that the scriptures themselves were false. It doesn't mean there were principles in the scriptures that were permitted. It doesn't mean that. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's I want to throw that out there. I was, uh, let's see, Ivan came up, got Titus. said Titus is given, Titus 2, 9 through 10. Look at that. Ivan brought up Titus 2, 9 through 10. Go check that out. Oh, that's one way. So I did say Titus, Titus 2, I'm going to look at that real quick. All right, so Titus 2, 9. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well, well pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age.
man. All right. So, yes. So that's another one that's given to slaves. Well, to slaves. But, you know, what Paul gives, he gives command to slave masters. He tells them how they should treat their slaves and so on and so forth. But what I'm, what I'm getting at and bringing all the scriptures to bear, and I hope you guys bear with me as I'm looking through these things. Like, I hope y'all walk with me through this. Walk with me through this. We're not seeing, and this is the whole thing, we're not seeing where there's a call that the owning of slaves in and of itself is a sin. All right? That's the whole thing. Now, to answer the question, because it was brought up, to own a slave that you know was kidnapped, well, you would have to assume that everyone who bought a slave knew that that slave happened to be kidnapped. Because if you do research on the translated slave trade, not every slave was kidnapped. There were other African tribes selling slaves to, to um, Europeans and uh, the French and so on and so forth. Like, this is a known fact and reality. So not every slave was kidnapped. The translated slave trade was not a bunch of people going into Africa running down slaves and capturing them and wrapping them up and bringing them back to the states that wasn't the case you know there were other tribes who owned slaves black african tribes who owned slaves selling slaves for weapons and all the such to europeans and everyone else so this is the truth so it's not the fact that everybody was kidnapped now even if even if there was knowledge of a slave that was kidnapped and now being sold as a Christian, if I was in that position and I had the finances and all that kind of good stuff, if I know there are people who are going to treat this slave unjustly, if I knew there are people who's going to treat them wrong, then me as a Christian, I would have purchased them. I would have. I would have purchased them and I would have treated them right. And I would have got and I would have probably and you know, given that time frame back then of what they was using them for, then hey, did some labor, set them free. That's not the case. You know, not everybody has my mind. So what happened back then was you had Christians who owned slaves and they treated them fairly. They treated them good. I mean, to the point that some didn't even want to go. I mean, to some, like there are, uh, even if you're talking about George Whitfield, and I want to get into this later on, but I kind of jumped into it now. But if you look at George Whitfield, there was a slave who wrote a poem and, and mentioned him and called him a happy saint. Like, they was happy with him. And in his, in his history with slaves, was that they actually found him pretty cool. They liked him. You know, they didn't, they wanted to hear him preach, even though they, even though he owned slaves, they knew he treated, he knew they, he, they knew he treated them fairly. They knew that about him, you know? And so, um, and they actually enjoyed him, you know? So that's, that's something to be said about that. You know, that goes into what I'm going to read next. And so all this is interesting. So first Timothy six, one through two, look at that last scripture from Ivan there before I go into this, um, what, uh, Whitfield had wrote. I appreciate y'all commenting and everything. I really appreciate the pushback. And we know we need to have this conversation. This is this has been an ongoing conversation for years, and it's going to be a continued a continued conversation. All right. So, was it Second Timothy? Was it Second Timothy? I was just throwing scriptures out there. I hear you, man. So, First Timothy six one through two. First Timothy. Uh, okay, so it says, First Timothy six one, let all who are under a, a yoke as bond servants regard their own masters as worthy of all late, of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have 
believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers rather they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved teach and urge these things wow i've seen this before but this is this is interesting let's think about this for a minute so being a slave you think about this moment being a slave and you're a believer now during this time let's let's also be honest here during this time of slavery there were christians before slavery so let's go ahead and throw that out there there's this false notion that black people didn't become christian until slavery like no there were christians prior to the slave trade all right but there were christians who were converted during the slave trade as well and after the slave trade so i mean that's that's all true too and so now let's think about this being a believer so you know this is new covenant being a believer and under under the yoke of a master who is another believer this should make you want to serve them say serve them better serve them more so on and so forth because they're a believer they're a fellow brother the same thing with masters so if you have a master and slave relationship they're not brothers i mean this the treatment is a lot better not it's, it's better so much better this is just a a higher hand at this point person working for food and clothing and so on and so forth versus where you have people just being beaten, brutalized, raped, and pillaged, and all that kind of stuff like that, just because they're looked at as being less than human. But that's, you know, and that wasn't the case for Christians. You know, and so this is the thing. Before I get into what George Whitfield wrote, let's let's go back a little bit. Let's backtrack. Because all these scriptures that are given here are showing how bond servants should be towards their masters, and we get that. Um, but I want to focus on what was said earlier by Paul concerning how masters should treat their slaves. So the conviction to masters who own slaves, regardless of what type of slavery, because he doesn't get into what type of slavery he's talking about. He's talking about slavery in general. Now, we know there's a context to this. I'm not ignoring that. There's a context to this of what kind of slaves that was going on back then, you know, all kind of stuff like that. And what was going on in Rome, what was going on in those areas. There's a context to all that. So I'm not ignoring that. All right. But we're talking about those who are have slaves and they'll have masters. You know, this is what this is what happens. You know, you have those who are unjust, and you have those who are just, you have those who are good and those that are bad. How is it for those, if a, for a believing slave, how they should behave, how they should be? You know, this is not, in the, and notice that this is not because, this is not to the glory of man, this is to the glory of God. This is looking at God as being the one who we're looking to as being the one who's being pleased by our actions, not the man. Okay? Um, that, that's how we should see it. Same thing with masters, for those who own slaves. How they should treat their slaves, not not just because they're a people, but the fact that they have a master themselves who watches them and is and is holding them accountable. So there are there are parameters here, and we can't ignore those. Can't ignore those. Now, so the question goes back to owning slaves, which even um, with Jason, when he commented earlier, he answered the question without answering the question. You have like. He says, if you know they were kidnapped, right? If you know they were kidnapped, so, 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 he, so he's, even in his question, he gives a parameter. Well, only if they're kidnapped. So what about the ones who aren't kidnapped? What are the ones who were bought and sold? You know, what about them? Is it, is it, is it sinful to buy them? You know what I'm saying? Like, see, the, the end of itself, we got to go back to the initial question. In and of itself, is owning slaves a sin? And you can, be, you can be emotional about the answer you give, but the truth still remains. Is it a sin in and of itself to own slaves? And the answer is no. There's no, there's no scriptural, there's no scriptural preference that says that is a sin to own slaves. There is a sin in how you treat them and there's a sin in how you behave to them and how you deal with them, but it's not a sin to own. Now, thankfully, praise God, that's not going on today. God used all those things for his glory and even to by his providence of where we are today. 
He used all of that. He permitted it. He allowed it. You know, here we are today where there's still slavery going on. Like there in some other part of the world, there in China and in, uh, India and in other places in Africa, there's still slavery going on. And not the kind of slavery that's going on in the Bible either. It's not. You know what I'm saying? People are being beaten. You know, people being mistreated. You know, all that kind of stuff is going on. We have that still going on today. In America, it's not. America is not going on today. And praise God for that. That was God's providence. Praise God for that. That's not going on today. It's not. So we're thankful for that. But the question goes back to, when it comes to George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, because they own slaves, does that discredit them as being a Christian? And I would say, no, it does not. It doesn't dis- them owning slaves doesn't discredit them from being a Christian. Now, I've battled with this for a long time, and this hasn't come from, I mean, I promise somebody's going to look at this and be like, man, you've been influenced by white evangelicalism and all that kind of, you just, you just cooning. And you can say what you want. You can say what you want. But I've battled with this for a long time, just looking at scripture, looking at scripture. Like, man, I'm looking at, I'm having conversations with people over and over again, and they're bringing up this New Testament scriptures where Paul, he gives these parameters of how these masters should treat their slaves and all those stuff. And not one time. Not one time does he call for them to let them go. He doesn't. In the Old Testament, he doesn't call for them to let them go. As a matter of fact, God even says only time when you beat a slave, even in the Old Testament, let's be let's be real. In the Old Testament, when God when that when there's a discipline needs to go for a slave, God says if they if you if they break a tooth, if you bust if you break a tooth or you break an arm or anything like that, then you let them go. But if, what about if nothing is broken? What if you slap them? That's still your slave. That's still a slave. It's not. It's not until something is broken, uh, some, or or you know, or yeah, something is broken or lost a tooth or something like that, where they're going, they're let free. You know, other than that, they're to serve until their time is up, until that debt is clear. So that's that's even that's what well, that's the premise that God put for, you know. And so these we know we have to admit and deal with the fact that there are things that God allowed, but what is the reason for it? It's all according to his glory. Now, how that all works out, we don't know, but we see the, we see benefit, you know, I mean, we see benefit later on down the line, different things that took place that all works out for his good, for his glory. And so, I mean, we have to, we have to be honest with those things and deal with them, but we can't deal with this from an emotional standpoint, because if we deal with this from an emotional standpoint, then we won't rely on the word of God to be our, our final authority. And that's what it comes down to. When it came to Martin Luther King, even though he was pushing for integration, his, he denied the deity of Christ. He denied the virgin birth. He denied the, tri, the triune nature of God. Not, these are not things that he were ignorant of. He was very researched, but he denied these things. These are essential truths. He denied the gospel. He said, Martin Luther King said that man and God both work together to deal with sin in the world. So the issue with segregation Guess what Martin Luther King was putting hope in? Men. He's putting hope in men to get it done. And God would do the rest. Like men would do their part and God would do the rest. This is what he was putting his hope in concerning the whole civil rights movement. Now, does that make the civil rights movement bad? Of course not. Praise God. God used it. He used all of it. But if we look at the individual, the individual, the hope behind everything was not one that was focused on Christ as a center. It wasn't. That's just the truth of it, a hard truth, but it's the truth. But now you have George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. What we're going to see is that their heart was always for Christ. 
True. I, I would say when you work a job, you were hired so you could pay off your debts. Yeah, true. And 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 let's be let's be honest. Like when it, when slaves are being sold, when slaves are being transferred from Africa and sold into, and sold into slavery here, you know that's you know they're not trying to pay off a debt. They were already slaves and now they're sold into slavery. You know, so now they're slaves for the money that the masters bought to get them and to keep them. You know what I'm saying? So that's what they're now being slaves into. So it's not to pay off a debt at that point. They they've been bought. Just like you know, think about it, just like when it comes to Christ. We're not bought we're not bought with a price in Christ just for a certain amount of time. We're we're bought for the rest of eternity. If we're in Christ, we're bought for a whole eternity. That's why that's why I don't believe we can lose our salvation. If we are truly if we're truly in Christ, then we're bought without a price, not to be given up later on, but forever. You know what I'm saying? So, and if we're a slave to sin, well, we're a slave to sin forever unless we're unless the sun sets us free. You know, and so let's let's be clear about that. And so, um, so anyway, let's let's go in here and look at um George Whitfield's letter here. You know, and I hope you guys. I'm hoping, even if you don't agree, I'm just hoping that you really listen and hear what's being said. All right, and what the questions that are being posed. All right. Because if anybody gives pushback, I'm hoping it's going to be with what is being said. All right. So let's look at this. All right. So this is from the Encyclopedia of Virginia. Um, this is a letter, as you can see here, a letter from the Reverend Mr. George Whitfield to the inhabitants of Maryland, Virginia, North and South Carolina. So now keep in mind, um, he's not from here. He, he was a, he's not from Georgia. He's in he's in Great Britain. He would travel between Britain and America. He would he would travel back and forth. All right. So he's been through the Carolinas. He's he's been in these places and he's seen how um, these people treated slaves. And so he's writing a letter to them. And this was in uh, the Gazette. This was um, the Benjamin Franklin Gazette. Uh, as it says, the Pennsylvania Gazette. It tells of Benjamin Franklin, as you see there. This is 1740. The date's at the top here. I'm actually going to read from the actual Gazette. I want to just talk about a little bit how they used to write back then and how they used to word their words. I'm so thankful that our English language has developed to where it is today. Man, it's, I mean, our English language is difficult now. But I can't imagine trying to talk back how they did or write back how they did here. So we're going to actually read from here. I could read from this um, this portion here, which is English. But it's, it's a lot more that he said in here than this gives credit to. So, I mean, I'm okay with reading that. That would give enough. But I actually want to read from here. So y'all just spare me some time. I'm just going to zoom into this. And we're going to look at it. All right. Now, I'll try to find a way that I can actually expand this guy and make it full page. But it wouldn't give me an option to. I tried to find another um another thing of this and I, I didn't have the time to look at it. So look it up. So here we are. This is where we at. So we're gonna zoom in. We're gonna go all the way in. Alright. So this is a this is as you see it's titled, just like it's written here, a letter from the Reverend Mr. George Whitfield. Alright. To the inhabitants of Maryland, Virginia. North and South Carolina. So, you know, that's what it is and who it's from. I just want to check and see if y'all be able to see that okay. Oh, yeah, I think y'all better read that just fine. I think y'all better read that just fine. All right. Cool. All right. Now, you see this, um, this word, 
It's look, it looked like PAFED, P-A-F-F-E-D. You're going to see that a lot. And when you see um, these two letters, it's actually supposed to be S's. It's going to come out to be S later on. Um, so it's literally, I lately passed through your providences. But it's going to look, it's a PAFED. And you're going to see that through a lot of the, of the words. So <laughs> that's why I wanted to read it. <laughs> Um, so it says, I lately passed through your province, your provinces in my way hither. I was <laughs> sensibly touched. So you see the F-E-N-F-I-B-L-L-Y. That's supposed to be sensibly. <laughs> All right. I was sensibly touched with a fellow feeling of the miseries of the poor Negroes. Could I have preached more frequently amongst you? I should have delivered my thoughts in my public discourses, but as my ooh, business, but as my business here, um, what is this? Business here required me to stop as little as possible on the road. I have no other way to um, discharge the concern which at preference of uh, present lies upon my heart so he's expressing he's expressing man there's some there's some grievances that he has there's there's some there's some grievances that he has concerning them and their the poor negroes all right, he called them poor Negroes. See, so is this some concern? Now, this is 1740, okay? So this is before there was this. This is before any kind of um, advocating for slavery in Georgia. This is just in these states at this time. Um, slavery is not in Georgia at this time. Um, it, you know, hasn't been uh, a law here. I mean, you know, at the time. So this is before all that. So this is just to uh, Maryland, Virginia, North of South Carolina. All right. All right. So uh, what he says. Um, then by sending you this letter, how, how you will receive it, I know not. So he said, I don't know how you're going to receive what I'm about to say. I, you know, I don't know whether you will accept it in love or be offended with me as the matter of the damsel was with Paul for casting the evil spirit out of her when he saw the hope of his gain was gone. I am so <laughs> I am no he's using this parallel. You remember so there's a passage in Acts where um Paul cast out the spirit of this woman and she was a, a diviner. She was one who would um like a medium if you would. And he cast out the devil, he cast out this evil spirit in her, and now she no longer could make money for these people. And they were mad at Paul. They were mad. They tried to get him, they tried to get rid of him because they ruined his money. <laughs> and so so now Whitfield is using it as a parallel and he's saying, look. You know, y'all may y'all may get mad at me, think I'm trying to make you lose money because I'm telling you about. I'm gonna tell you how I'm feeling. You know, because basically people feeling like they don't mistreat the slaves, they won't they won't work and they won't they get their they won't earn they won't uh, reap the benefit of their uh, fruits or their labor. But um, Whitfield saying, hey, maybe you're gonna get mad at me, just like that that person got mad at Paul. He says, I am uncertain. He says, whatever whatever be the event. I must, I must inform you in the meekness and gentleness of Christ that I think God has a quarrel with you 
for your abuse. That word is abuse. It, re it looks like a boof, but it's abuse of and cruelty to the poor Negroes. So he's rebuking them for how they treated the slaves. He's rebuking them. Whether it be lawful for Christ. Oh, now this is the thing. Now this is with him as he says is here. Whether it be lawful for Christians to buy slaves and thereby encourage the nations from whence they are brought to be at perpetual war with each other, I shall not take upon me to determine. So ugh, that sounds so difficult to read. But basically saying whether or not it's wrong to buy slaves, he's, he's, he's not going to determine that. That's not, he's not for him to determine. He's not saying that. But he says this, sure I am, it is sinful, and that, that looks like sinful. <laughs> it is sinful when bought to use them as bad, nay, worse than as though they were brutes. Now, I'm just reading for what I can see there. So it's like, it's basically treating them bad. Like, he knows this for sure. Like, he doesn't know whether or not it's a sin to buy slaves for Christians. But he do know that it is sinful to treat them bad. He does know that much. And so he's expressing his concern here. And these are his words, all right? Now, you may say, well, he, know, he knew it was wrong to, to buy slaves. But once again, I go back to what I asked before. There's a scripture give where it says it's actually sinful to buy slaves. And during this time, they would say no. And I mean, I, you know, like I said, in and of itself, no. I'm not trying to go back in that tangent again. You heard what I said. But he said, sure, I am. It is wrong to treat them wrong. All right. And whatever particular exceptions there may be, as I would terribly hope there are, uh, are some, and he's talking about exceptions. He's saying that there are some people who aren't treating them bad. He's saying these, when he's talking about exceptions, he's talking about people who may treat them bad. So he's writing his letter to those who do treat them wrong, but he's saying there are some exceptions. He said, whatever particular exceptions there may be, he generally, he terribly hope there, there are some. He hopes that there are some who aren't treating them bad, but he's addressing those who are. He says, I fear generally, uh, of you that own, that own slaves, uh, own Negroes are liable to such a charge. So that's what he's saying. He said, though I hope there are some of their exceptions, generally, the generality of you that own Negroes are, is just to help this charge against you. You treat them wrong. For your slaves, I believe, work as hard, if not harder, than the horses whereon you ride. That you treat your, you treat your slaves worse than your horses. He said, these, hope you read that, these, after they have done their work, are fed and taken care, proper care of. He's talking about horses. The horses, after they've done their work, they're fed and taken proper care of. After they have done their work, are fed and taken proper care of. But many Negroes, when wearied with labor in your plantations, have been obliged to grind their own corn after they return home. So even after they worked hard on your plantations, they still have to go home and then work harder to make just for them to feed themselves. Your dogs, your dogs are cared for. No, he said caressed. Your dogs are caressed and fondled at your tables. But your slaves who are frequently uh, styled dogs, frequently styled, and when this word styled means that this is what people see them as. They call them this. This is how they deal with them. They frequently style dogs or beasts 
have not an equal privilege. So you you look at your you look at slaves like they're less than human. You look at them like they're dogs, but you treat your dogs better than you do them. So he's like he's really he's really laying into them. He said they don't have they don't even give them equal privilege. He said they are fierce. He says they are scarce, not fierce. They're scarce. They are scarce permitted to eat to pick up the crumbs which fall from their master's tables. Nay, some as I have been informed by an eyewitness have been upon the most trifling provocation. What is it? Okay. By trifling provocation, cut with knives and had forks thrown into their flesh, not to mention what numbers have been given up to the inhuman usage of cruel taskmasters who by their unrelenting scourges have plowed upon their backs and made long furrows and at length brought them even to death itself it's true i hope there are but few such monsters of barbarity suffered to sub uh, subsist i want to say subsist among amongst you some i hear have been lately executed in virginia for killing slaves so even so during this time for people who killed slaves in virginia they were sentenced to death themselves and the laws are very severe against such who at any time murder them all right so i just want to i want to read that real quick i, I just want to read that and hope i hope that was clear i I know like i'm trying to read this old english y'all <laughs> but like he went he went at them man like he went at them you know saying for doing that you know uh i mean he went at them hard like how y'all treat them now he and he's honest he's honest in what he's saying he's talking as a christian whether it be wrong to buy them in of itself is not me for me to determine he said he, he does, basically is like I'm, i don't know but i do know what i am sure of is that it's wrong to beat them and mistreat them and you're treating them worse than you do your own dogs and animals like he's like that's wrong and so he's going to read on later and I, you know you can find i'm gonna put a link you know what i will do that now i'm gonna go ahead and put a link to that site in the description so you can read up you can read further yourself i don't have the link showing so i'm gonna do that for you guys i want you to be able to see it yourself and you can read all along i'm not gonna read the whole thing but I want you to be able to check the sources that I'm using and you can go back and look at it too. So let me go back. Uh, do, do, do. But yeah, so we see that he was, he was against how they treated, how they treated slaves. All right. Now this was in 1740. So this isn't later on when he starts talking about um, pushing slavery for Georgia and all that kind of stuff like that. Yeah, this, this is different. All right. And we want to just be fair to that. This is his thoughts towards it. But now we also see that he actually doesn't really believe that it's wrong to own slaves. So given the charges against him, as far as him not being a Christian or less than a Christian than Martin Luther King is kind of like, you know, bankrupt at that point. It really is. If your whole thing of him not being a Christian is because he owns slaves, well, then we have to prove from scripture that it's a sin in and of itself to own slaves. And because this is something that we can't see from scripture in and of itself to own slaves, then that is that right there, that charge is bankrupt. Now, if you got something that says, well, he how he treated them and so on and so forth, 
That's one thing. Now I'm saying that before even getting into the next part. Now we're gonna get into the next part. We're gonna we're gonna get into him talking about uh, when he after he builds his orphanage here in Georgia, um, the economy's bad and he's gonna he's gonna push for slavery. This is back in, this is around 1746. So this is about six years later, seven years later. Now and slavery isn't reinstated in Georgia or instated in Georgia until 1751. So there's still, there's still a few years before it even happens, and he dies in 1770. So he does get to see it actually take place in Georgia, um, you know. And once again, he's not from here. You know, he wasn't he he wasn't a uh, born and raised in Georgia or in the states or come here in the colony. He would travel back and forth, and so that's what he would do. And so anyway, I'm um, gonna put this in the scripture real quick. Let me see there. I'm gonna right there. Paste. All right. Save. All right, cool. So y'all should be able to see that on the y'all should be able to see that on the channel. If you refresh the page, whatever you should be able to see it. All right. <clears throat> so uh, I'm gonna let that be it. We about we about to hit at the hour mark. So I'm just gonna let that be it for now. And um, I hope that was helpful. You know, um, I know some people who are gonna watch this. They're gonna disagree, and that's all good. You know, I, I you know I feel you. I do. You know what I'm saying. But I just hope that you do not. Just come at this from a uh, from an emotional standpoint. You know, we got to come with scripture. Let's look at the scriptures. Now, what I've read today, dealing with scripture that was shared also from the community. You know, our, distrib our distributors of truth um, on YouTube. Just showing, giving us scriptures of how bond servants should be towards their masters. But also we looked at how Paul said how masters should be towards their slaves. Do we see in the Old Testament when God permitted slavery and how? Um, he gave parameters, you know, and I didn't even get, I didn't get all the scriptures where it talks about if you beat the slave, what should happen? If you kill them, what should happen? Like, man, like there's consequences for mistreating slaves, you know, um, it's it consequences for mistreating each other, period, you know? And so, um, the argument go and just, just give a close to this section of it. This is a part one. There will be a part two. So stay tuned. There's not the end of the conversation. So don't be discouraged. If you are like Jabal and lost his mind, don't be discouraged just yet. Just check on the next one. Let's. Let's let's continue to have the conversation. You know, just take a breath. It's okay. It's gonna be all right. But but notice, like in in that time, no, this, this well, not notice the whole. Okay, what I was gonna say was this: the whole argument is that Whitfield and Edwards didn't love their neighbor because they owned slaves. They didn't truly love their neighbor. And Martin Luther King, though he had some heretical beliefs, some some downright heretical beliefs. He still yet loved his neighbor. And that was it. Now, Martin Luther, now we look at it and was like, man, him being anti, the, the charge with him being anti-Semitic. But well, we saw that that's actually, it's false of him being anti-Semitic. But it's true that, man, he lacked in the love department when it came to the Jews. His way of wanting to convert them to Christianity was totally unbiblical. Wasn't something that Christ would have went for at all. Something that scripture doesn't go for at all. But that's what he was feeling. And that was in his frustration. If you look at his earlier writings dealing with the Jews before that, he was very loving to them, very caring, very compassionate. But somewhere along the line, he got frustrated, got really, really deep in his flesh and just like couldn't stand them. And it wasn't because they were Jews ethnically. Um, <laughs> I just butchered that word. But it's because they worshipped, they, they didn't worship Jesus. They, they, they. They were against the Trinity. They were against the, the essential Christian doctrines and truths. And, and that's how he dealt with them. But notice, it wasn't just the Jews he dealt with that. He dealt like that with. Martin Luther dealt, with, dealt like that to the Papists and to the Anabaptists. You know, so it wasn't just the Jews he was like that with. 
Now, and so that doesn't take it away from it being wrong how he was, but it just shows that it wasn't because he was racist. That's the issue. He wasn't racist. He just, man, he lacked in the love department. Like he, like he truly needed the Holy Spirit to really come in and change his heart, you know, from, from being evil and wicked towards them and, and his heart evil against them to loving them, you know, and in prayer for that's something that the Lord worked with him through. But it is true that he believed the gospel. He believed the gospel, you know. And if, we, and if we believe the gospel to be true, then though we still have flaws, which a lot of us still do, we have flaws. None of us are perfect. Well, then we have to allow that the possibility of him truly being a Christian is actually so. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, he, it's possible that he could have really truly been a Christian. Do we know for sure? No. I can't say we know for sure. You know what I'm saying? Not concerning him because we're not called to know for sure of anyone's salvation except for our own. We're supposed to be sure of our own salvation. But given the evidences that were there and the fruit that he bared, it's like, yeah, I, I can pretty much say that he probably was, he was a Christian. It's just, man, like when it came to that area and that time, yeah, he was, he was definitely going through some stuff wrong. He needed, needed to repent. He needed to turn from that. And I pray that he did, you know, but if he didn't, if he still continued with this, this, this overzealous idea towards these false teachings, would that be something that would cast him into hell? I wouldn't say so. Not giving the gospel what the gospel teaches. You're not concerned with the gospel teaches. But Jesus does say, unless you believe that I am, then you have no part with me. And that's the charge against Martin Luther King. And that's just, that's unfortunate. That's something I don't feel happy about saying. That's no, neither proud. You know, that's, that's sad to me. You know, I've always considered him to be a, being a Christian, that he was a Christian man. He was called Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. So, I mean, I always considered him to be a Christian. So, realizing that later on in my life, it's like, man, Man, I wish he, I wish he believed in the Lord, man. I, I really, I really did wish that, you know, and maybe, you know, he could argue from silence that maybe he did. We just didn't read about it and he didn't say anything, but you know, that's an argument from silence. And I don't want to argue from silence with neither one of these guys, you know, but I'm just giving the evidences as they're, as they're given. I'm trying to be fair across the board with that. So with that being said, we're at our time, y'all. Uh, if this has been helpful, please subscribe. If you want, if you want to continue this conversation, if you want to look to this more, I'm gonna have, I'll be posting every week. Um, Wednesday evenings going live and posting the uh, extra stream on Thursdays. So please check that out. Um, comments. Uh, you can call me 801-980-6333. You can email me as well. Once again, if you want to support this ministry, please consider partnering with me on Patreon. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your prayers. Please continue to pray for me as I continue this ministry. Um, we will continue on and do the post show tonight, patrons, for those who are available. Um, we do our 30 minute post show afterwards. And so, yeah. So with that being said, I catch you guys next week. And remember, this world is full of errors. And some things God permitted and he allowed to happen. But even though this world is full of errors, the only thing that the doctor prescribes is still truth. And even in this context, blessings. For his name's sake, prescribe truth. We giving you what the doctor ordered. Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord servant. We undeserving, but Christ changed our mind frame. In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth.